You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Fruit. Hello, my radio friends. I'm glad you've joined me for another Give Me the Bible program where we consider various issues from a biblical perspective. You'd probably not be surprised that the Bible has quite a lot to say about fruit. Fruit features very significantly. In fact, fruit is mentioned in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis and at the end in Revelation. I want to go through the Bible, picking out sections where fruit is mentioned and try to draw some significant points for you to consider. So, was it the apple? When God created the earth and what is in it, on the sixth day of creation he made man. The first man was Adam and the first woman, Adam's wife, was Eve. The home that was provided for them was a garden called the Garden of Eden. What about rain, you might be wondering? Wouldn't they get wet? Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 explains, The Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. What a wonderful system! The garden was self-watered. Continuing on from verse 9, the Bible says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kind of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God made a condition, a test of obedience. And as verses 16 and 17 explained, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you shall surely die. Hey, what's going on here? When God made mankind, he gave us freedom of choice. So why did he restrict Adam and Eve from eating the fruit of that one tree? Wouldn't it be better if there was no choice? Definitely not. If there was no choice, we would be like robots, having no will of our own and not able to receive or demonstrate love. God gave us free will simply because he loves us. But what about the apple, you might be saying? Well, chapter 3 of Genesis 1 tells what happened. One day it appears that Eve was somewhere near the middle of the garden, near the tree about which God had said, You can eat anything, but not from that one tree. And while she was hanging around there, a voice spoke. And I'm reading from Genesis 3, verses 1a to 7. The voice said, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, 
We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Ha! You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now I'm going to paraphrase what comes next. Eve took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to Adam, her husband, and he ate it. Then they realised what they had done. They had disobeyed God and so became very frightened. They stitched some fig leaves together for a covering for themselves and they hid. They disobeyed God. This was the first sin and... Sorry to say, they became subjects to a new master, Satan. He was behind the voice that came from the serpent. Even more disastrous is the fact that the whole human race has become subject to Satan's lies and all die because we have all sinned. But God didn't just leave humanity to suffer because of sin. He provided a way of escape. Jesus, God the Word, came to this world and experienced life as a human being, but lived without sin. Although sinless, he took on himself the punishment of sin, which is death. By so doing, He qualified as our substitute, but death could not hold him, for he is the author of life, and after three days in the tomb, he rose to life again. His life became our life. Only one condition applies. We need to accept him and what he did for us, and to live according to his will, and we as promised, will have eternal life. What do you mean you haven't done it yet? Well, go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Was it the apple that was the problem? My friends, some have assumed that the fruit behind the sin problem was an apple. But the Bible does not identify that fruit. It might have been a peach, a mango or a durian. It might have been something unfamiliar to us, but that fruit was not the problem. Of itself, the fruit was good, except that our first parents disobeyed God. That was the problem. Behind that disobedience was Satan, but he knows that his days are numbered. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12 says that, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury.
because he knows he has but a short time. And in Jeremiah chapter 17 is a curse and a blessing. First the curse. Verse 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. And now for the blessing in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted in the water that sends out its roots by the stream. He does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So, in this analogy of a man who trusts in the Lord to a tree planted near a stream that always bears fruit, what sort of fruit does that man produce? Jesus also spoke about people and what they are like, more particularly, how others can know what they are like. What he said is recorded in Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through to 20. First, he warns people about false prophets, those who do not teach truth. In reality, these people tell lies that are made to look like truth, and sometimes it's hard to know well, whether such people are telling lies or truth. But Jesus pointed out what is the acid test, and here are his words. By their fruit you will be able to recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Now I want to illustrate this. There are some very popular preachers with huge followings. Some of them run churches with thousands of members. And I've watched some of their sermons on YouTube, and it horrifies me. The spiritual content of those sermons is minimal. Instead, there's a lot of showmanship. And believe it or not, trying to convince people to give large donations to that self-centred preacher. Many of these preachers are multi-millionaires. They use religion for their own purposes. As I understand the words of Jesus, these people are false prophets, bad trees producing bad fruit. As Jesus warned, their fate will not be a pleasant one. So what kind of fruit does a good person produce? The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, has provided both a warning and an admonition to the people. What he said is important for people for all time. 
He admonishes Christians to live by the Spirit, that is, the Holy Spirit. And how's that done, you might be wondering. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus gave the answer. He said, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. As someone commits his or her life to the Lord, there are two things that must happen. Firstly, they will be guided in how to live and what to believe by the Word of God, the Bible. In there are the teachings of Jesus. We must obey what God has revealed to us. Secondly, when we have a desire to please the Lord, the Holy Spirit will guide us, as Jesus pointed out, into all truth, not error, and the product of that will be that we will become changed. Instead of being motivated by selfishness, lust and evil, we become selfless, kind, good and godly. And we're going to go on with this straight after the break. How 
These different fruits are exhibited in what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. He says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's the good part of what Paul wrote. He then said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Ha! But that's no fun, someone might think. Well, let me put this to you. Is it fun to have to deal with a guilty conscience when you live a profligate life? Is it fun to get drunk and have a massive hangover the following day? Is it fun when you've been unfaithful to your partner and then have to face up to being found out? Separation, divorce and all the stress, particularly if there are children to care for? Is it fun to get mixed up in the occult and then be controlled by the devil? To me... That's not fun at all. But it is fun to live, an untru- to live an untroubled life. And uh, uh, don't worry about what others think of you and your lifestyle. You can go to sleep at night without fear. You can be well regarded by others. You can have joy as you care for others. You can have fun knowing that you do the right thing and therefore no one can successfully accuse you of misconduct. And it is fun to know that your life and that your character produces positive results. The Apostle James reiterates what Paul has written. In James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18 he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy 
and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness rather than living a life of envy, disorder and evil. There is real satisfaction in being pure, being peace-loving and full of good fruit. Well, that's the kind of life for me, and it's my hope, the kind of life for you as well. Before dealing with the last fruit mentioned in the Bible, I want to share a short story about the fruits of our choices It's called The Monkey and the Apples, and here it is. There once lived a free-spirited monkey in a beautiful jungle. He spent his days wandering in the jungle, climbing trees, eating delicious fruits, and resting. One day, while wandering around, he came very close to the nearby village. He looked inside a house in the village and saw a bowl of red ripe apples. He couldn't hold his urge to eat those beautiful-looking fruits, so he grabbed one in each hand and ran back into the forest. He sniffed the apples but smelled nothing. He tried to eat them, but he hurt his teeth. You see, these apples were made of wood, but they looked delicious. When the other monkeys of the jungle saw the the apples, he held on to them even tighter. He proudly admired his new possessions as he wandered the jungle. The wooden apples glistened red in the sun and seemed perfect to him. He was so enticed by them that he even forgot about his hunger. He was walking near a fruit tree when the smell of the ripe fruit reminded him of his hunger. He wanted to grab a ripe banana and eat it, but he had the apples in his hands. He couldn't let go of the wooden apples to reach for the bananas. He was too afraid to lose the apples and felt the need to protect them. The monkey was very proud of the apples, but he was definitely a less happy monkey while he continued to walk along the forest trails. As he held the apples longer, they started to feel heavier. The poor little monkey thought about putting them down for a while, but letting go of such valuable things seemed crazy. The poor monkey was unhappy. He was exhausted, hungry, and he couldn't climb trees or collect fruits with his hands full. The more he looked at the fruits in the jungle, the more he grew hungry. He finally gave up and dropped the wooden apples and reached up for his meal. He was happy again. Like the little monkey, we sometimes carry things that seem too valuable to let go. We humans too seem to carry and hold on to our image pride, possessions, wealth and status, but often forget to enjoy the most important things in life, like love, compassion, friends and family. As described in the book of Genesis, the product of eating the forbidden fruit was unhappiness, 
death and separation from God. But in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is described the reward or the fruit of accepting Jesus as our Saviour and living a righteous life. And I'm going to read this to you from Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. The Apostle John says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign for ever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. You know, I want to be there to enjoy the things God has prepared for those who are faithful to him. But before closing today, I want to challenge you. What are the fruits of your life? What legacy are you leaving your children, your grandchildren and other people? Will those who come after you be proud of you and your character? Or will they be ashamed of you? You see, you will be known by your fruits. Until next time then, this is Len signing off and wishing you the courage to live a life that counts and a courage that demonstrates God's blessings.